Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. We are uh, in a series, it's called Unfinished. Just think about that word. Maybe just close your eyes for a second. Unfinished. What does that word mean to you spiritually? Unfinished. And then the next, the subtitle of this series, Believing is Only the Beginning. Unfinished. Believing is only the beginning. I want you to say that with me. Unfinished. Believing is only the beginning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Some of us were like, no, I I got saved. I came forward. I checked the box. But nothing's changing. You know, the, word, the Christian life, the word for discipleship that I love is this word, become. I like that word become even more than believe. Because once we believe, once we open our life to God, to Christ, to Jesus, and he puts his spirit in us, now what we have done is we've made a shift. We've, we've pivoted and we're saying I'm following Jesus, and I'm signing up for a life of becoming. Becoming. That's your word today, becoming. That's my word, becoming. Who am I becoming? Paul in Colossians says that we are designed to become like him, like Christ. And this uh, first chapter of 2 Peter, it's all about that. He says that that, that by his divine power, he has given us, you, me, everything we need to become like him, to live a godly life. That is, to become like him. He's given us everything we need. Because he's put the Spirit of God, his love, his power into our lives. Played golf this week with some friends. It was fun great. I wish I was better. I was like the worst golfer of the foursome. I hate that part. I want to get better. Kind of. And here's what I mean by that. I've been golfing for 35, 40 years of my life, maybe even longer. But I I remember my 30th birthday, my wife bought me a set of golf clubs. And when I think about my life right now and the kind of golfer I am, I'm, I don't take lessons. I don't go to the driving range and hit balls. I don't go to the putting green and practice putting. I don't practice my short game and chipping. I don't do any of that. But when somebody calls me and says, you want to play golf? I go. And I'll play. And this year, 2019, I've played two rounds of nine holes. And two rounds, three, two rounds of 18 holes. 
I'm the guy that on the par threes, this is true, every par three, I pray for a hole in one. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. I'm like, why not? And whoever I golf with, they're like, that's not fair. You're a pastor. You're, play, you're praying for a hole in one. You got somebody on your, that's not fair. I've never had a hole in one, but I want one. Kind of, right? I mean, it'd be great if it happens. But I'm not practicing. Not taking any lessons. I'm not really that serious about my golf game, to be honest. And whenever I go out, I shoot in the 90s. And you know what? For the last 30 years, I've been shooting in the 90s. Yeah, I break 90 once in a while. I get in the 80s once in a while, but not really. I'm actually really trying to break 100. I'm that guy. And this round of golf that I played this week, I'm the guy that lost six balls in one round. But I'm also the guy that found eight balls looking for those six balls off in the woods. Winner right here. That's John Ireland and golf. That describes my 30 years of playing golf. Just kind of the same. You know where I'm going with this. About to get real. I wonder if my golf game describes your faith game, your relationship with Christ. When you survey your life, when you take inventory, when you look back, are you the, the woman, the man that's still just kind of the same? Just kind of still want to get better, kind of? I mean, it'd be great. Lord, make me better. Give me that hole in one. I hope it happens, but not intentional in any way. Not going to get crazy like read the Bible. Not going to talk to anybody about it in a small group. I will come to church and sing and worship on occasion. Well, I have a, I have a friend in this church and, uh, that, that's fairly new. And he's, he's here this morning. And the way I, I describe him is he hasn't drunk the Ocean Hills Kool-Aid yet. He comes every week. You know what I mean by that? Once you drink the Kool-Aid, it's like, ah, oh, come once a month. Ah, oh, come once. Every week, leaning in, going, God, speak to me. Singing songs, opening my heart, saying, God, move in me. Change me. Do something in me. Make me into a new person. I don't want to be the same guy or the same woman that I was 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Become, become, become. That's the journey we're in. Sometimes we say in this church, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Write that down. Come as you are. No matter where you are spiritually, you're invited in. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Don't stay as you are. Second Peter chapter 1. Here, can I just say, uh, uh, I actually have a life coach right now in my life, and uh, it's amazing. I didn't think I needed one until I had one, and then I'm like, 
Oh my gosh, did I need one? And my life coach said, you, you should tell the church more what you want them to do. I'm like, I don't want to. No, actually, people want to know what's in your heart. And I said, I would love it if people actually brought their Bible to church. I would love that. I really would. I bring my Bible, even when I'm not speaking, I bring my Bible, I bring my journal, I take notes, I underline, I circle words, I write words or notes in the column. It's, it's like interacting with what's happening, participating, moving from spectator to I'm engaged. That's actually my heart, my dream. I think uh, it's our staff's heart and dream as well, that, that we would be a church family that, that, again, it's not about legalism. Oh, you didn't bring your Bible. You're not really, I'm, we're not that. Not that, but like this has this book has changed my life, and I want I want the God of this book to change your life too. So let's open it up first or uh, Second Peter. If you have a Bible, if you don't, no shame. If you don't have one, happy to get you one. I mean, you can get it on Amazon. You know that. If you're not sure what to buy or whatever, just come and ask us. We'll help you. We have some in the loft. Come and, and we're happy to make sure you get one. Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. Let me just read a quote here. There's a pastor in Oklahoma. I went through a church planner's assessment and training. When we started Ocean Hills, I had to, Natalie and I went to an assessment and training. His name's Craig Crischel. Craig now is the pastor of the largest church in the covenant, over 25,000 people. And... Uh, and, and, and here's what Craig, I, I, I read this and I thought, oh, that's a great word. He says this, the difference between where you are and where God wants you to be may be the painful decision you are refusing to make. Sit in that. Let me read it again. The difference between where you are right here, right now, today, and where God wants you to be, the kind of person God wants you to be. It may be the painful decision. I don't know what that painful decision is for you. i got to ask myself that for John Ireland. What's the painful decision? What's the, the decision that I'm refusing to make that's keeping me, preventing me from becoming, becoming, becoming the person that God dreams for me to become. All right, here we go. Peter, 2 Peter 1. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I would love it if all of us memorized that. That is so good. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us. See, God has called us to himself. That's relationship language. God has invited us. He's called us to be in personal, intimate, close relationship to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And it's because of his glory and excellence he's given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. We talked about that last week on the beach. Make 
every effort. So let's just stop there, thinking about my golf game. I'm not making every effort to get better. I'm not intentional about getting better. I'm just kind of hoping it happens. And I think there are so many of us in this faith journey that that is kind of our, we're, 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 I'm kind of religious, I'm kind of not, I kind of go to church. I have a Bible, I got it for confirmation, my pastor signed it. Make every effort. What would that mean? That would mean I have to shift something in my mind. Shift something in my priorities. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now here we go. This is what this morning is about. Supplement your faith. Let me stop there. Starts with faith. That's the first. Starts with trusting Christ. That he died on the cross for your sins. You begin a relationship with him when you open your life. Maybe this morning you've never started a relationship with Christ. It's when you, when you say, God, I invite you into my life. I want to follow you. Jesus invited people to follow him. So it's movement. It's not just believing in my mind. It's movement. Feet, hands, heart, the whole thing, right? You with me? Supplement your faith. So believing's not enough. This is where we get it. Supplement your faith. Well, wait, I thought faith was enough. Well, no, no, no. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. I titled this message, God's Vision for Your Life. That's it right there. God's vision for my life. The question you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask, do I want to become this kind of person? If you're not interested in that, you're not going to want to follow Jesus. This is who he wants us to become. I'm going to talk about these seven qualities there, the, the, the word used, supplement, your, it, it, the whole big idea of this is it's a kind of choreography. They all go together, almost like the band. It's not like, well, I'll just pick and choose what quality I want. They all work together to create this wonderful song or symphony, each part. And so we're to add these qualities, not by trying hard to add them. Okay, i got to get more self-control, but when I get more deeply connected to the source of life and love. My Father in heaven, His Son Jesus, the Spirit of God that He puts in me. When I, when I really get connected and focus on that, when I make every effort to focus on that, create space in my life to let God put His Spirit in me afresh and anew every day. Dallas Willard, in his book here, Renovation of the Heart and Daily Practice, that many of us are reading, he says, this life actually becomes effortless. It becomes a natural, natural overflow of walking with God, of walking in step with Jesus. So the more I'm walking in step with Jesus, He's leaking out of my life. He's working in me and on me and through me so that these qualities are now a part of who John Ireland is. 
So let's walk through them really quick. God's vision for your life. Moral excellence is the first one. It's, some translations use the word goodness. Here's what it means. It's the quality of someone's life that makes them stand out as of the highest moral character. Another word might be integrity, virtue. It's a noble term. It has to do with fulfilling your God-given potential in becoming Christ-like. You know, ordinary John can be unethical, unreliable, unforgiving, disconnected, disrespectful, dishonest, cynical. But extraordinary John, when Jesus is having his way in me, when my life is connected and aligned with him, I become morally excellent. I become a person of high moral character. Whatever that thing is in your life that you don't want others to know about or find out about, that thing in your life you hope you don't get caught. See, morally excellent is who I am when nobody's looking is the same person as who I am when everybody is looking. Does that make sense? And we can't do that on our own. I need God. I need the Spirit of God to do the work of God in my life. Second quality is knowledge. God wants us to expand our understanding and knowledge of who He is. Read Psalm 4, or not Psalm, Isaiah 40. If, you're, if you need to be stretched on how big and the riches and the depths of God and his character and how grand and mighty and, and unfathomable he is. This idea of knowledge, Peter's saying, as a follower of Jesus, you have to keep thinking. You don't check your brains at the door when you become a person of faith. We want to keep growing in our knowledge, keep stretching reflecting, chewing on Scripture. We want to remain teachable and open, embracing a posture of, I love that phrase, of a lifelong learner. How many of you think you got God all figured out this morning? Raise your hand. And you can replace me, because I don't have God all figured out. And the older and the more mature you get in faith, the more you realize, i got a lot more room to grow. And, and God wants to use our mind. In your mind, he wants you to be a thinking believer. Psalm 1 says this, Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord. That's Scripture. Meditating on it day and night. Meditating is a word of chewing on it, reflecting on it, sitting in it, thinking about it, discussing it, interacting with it. Oh, the joys. What does that mean? It means the more you become a person of the Word. You're not going to yawn. You're going to be filled with joy because it's going to change your life. It says they're like trees. Your life, like a tree planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. These qualities we're walking through, that's fruit in your life. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. God, I want, do you want that life? I want that life. I want, to, I, want, I want that life, that my life is bearing fruit. 
that my leaves are never drying up and withering, that I'm getting better, that I'm becoming a more loving, godly man. If you haven't read or you're not reading this book, we're in the 40 Days of Discipleship. It's great. Chapter 25, The Crucial Role of Good Thinking. Listen to this. The prospering of God's cause on earth depends upon his people thinking well. The prospering of God's cause on earth depends upon his people thinking. Some of you think, oh, you become a Christian, I've got to get rid of my mind. It's only, only dumb people, only, only people that aren't intellectual, aren't sophisticated become believers. No, 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 no. I don't know where, who told you that lie. The prospering of God's cause on earth depends upon his people thinking well. Some people's understanding of God keeps growing. Their vision of the kingdom of God becomes increasingly richer. Listen to this. They don't mind being stretched and having to think things through. That's maturity in faith. Being stretched, not staying the same having to think things, wrestle with things, interacting with things. That's the quality of knowledge that Peter's talking about here. A growing Christian is a thinking Christian. Number three is self-control. This is, has to do with the mastery of yourself. I remember hearing at a leadership conference, the, the, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Self-control is controlling my impulses, my desires, my passions. And actually, the Greek word here in this particular passage has to do specifically with controlling our sexual appetites, cravings. And you just think about today. Think of, This was written 2,000 years ago. Think about today, how much more applicable this is with screens how easy it is with, with, with sites, porn sites, hookup sites, social media to, to, you know, get to know the person that you knew in high school or college. It's so accessible for all of us, including our kids. And God's Word says, the more you become like Jesus, you're going to become more self-controlled. The ability to resist doing what would be dishonoring to God that would be disrespectful to another person. I put in my notes here, because I think it's true, God wants you to treat others, people of, of the opposite sex, with respect, to have appropriate boundaries. I've been out in my life on a road trip or whatever with friends, guy friends, and guys with guys that drink too much and they get handsy and they're pinching and they're grabbing women. It's embarrassing. The women aren't going, oh, awesome! I want more of that! It's inappropriate. It's not what the people of God, men of God, that's not how we're to behave. Self-control. The more I connect here, the more I say, God, you've got you to change my heart. You've got to change my ways. You've got to change the way I think. 
about the opposite sex. You've got to change the way I think about sex. That's part of... God, God created sex. God's a fan of sex. But God says, have my mind and my heart about it. Let me keep moving because we're, we're getting there. Patient endurance. Number four, patient endurance has to do with perseverance in the face of adversity, challenge, difficulty. You hang in there. You don't quit when you are up against it, when you're tired, when you're going, oh, I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. Some of you know that uh, seven years ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with my sister, whose birthday it is this weekend. If she's here, happy birthday, Jill. Uh, and our dad, who turned 75. For my dad's 75th birthday, we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Now, you know, it's fun to show the photos of us on the summit going, awesome, we did it. But the real story behind that five, six days was it was hard. I think we got some, some photos here. Look, at, it was, it's cloudy. It's rainy. I had the worst gear. That, that jacket I'm wearing, that did not keep the rain. Uh, it, it just, it, the, the rain just bled through. Look at that slide. Does that look fun? That's Mount Kilimanjaro. It sounds sexy. And our guides, they tell you two words. They tell you two words over five or six days of hiking, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. They, they say poli poli, poli poli, poli poli, poli poli. What does that mean? Slowly, slowly. This pace is too fast. Literally, you walk like this, it's too fast. No, poli poli. You're walking like this for five days, for six days. This is how you're walking. Oh, you're out of breath, man. It's like, man, it's hard. You stop, you rest, you talk. Poly, 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 poly. But you don't give up. You want to. You're like that, and you're like, oh, great, man. Who said this? And some of you, you're, this is where you are in your life right now. You're in a place in your life. It's raining. It's miserable. And you're like, this stinks. Did I sign up for this? It might be a relationship you want to quit on. It might be a work situation. It might be you have a boss that you're like, oh, I just want to quit. But you keep going. You stay connected because you can't keep going on your own. You say, God, I need your help. I need the spirit of perseverance. I need the spirit of patient endurance. One foot in front of the other. And then you get to the top. I think we have a slide. Yeah, up at the top. My 75-year-old man. He made it. It was awesome. And there were times he wanted to stop. But you know what I felt at that time? It's like, man, Dad's stronger than I am. There were so many times I wanted to quit. You can throw that down now. <laughs> the idea of patient endurance. God, that's a godly quality. Jesus went to the cross. It was his perseverance that kept him on that cross. It was his love for you that kept him on that cross. The next phrase or word is godliness. Godliness, godliness. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We think of godly, we think of what? Saintly, dutiful, super devout, religious, boring, godly, boring, godly, ugh, blah, I don't want to be. But think about it. What is your picture of God? What does the Bible teach about God? Godliness, godliness is not that. Godliness is 
forgiving. Godliness is generous. Godliness is merciful, patient. God wants to help you become like Him. Ordinary John, selfish. Extraordinary John, becoming sacrificial. Ordinary John, greedy, hoarding. Extraordinary John, with the Spirit of God living and having His way, I'm generous. Ordinary John, bitter and resentful when people hurt me. Extraordinary John, when the Spirit of God is having His way in me, is a person that's willing to forgive and forgive and forgive. God has a bigger vision for your life and mine than the one we're living right now. Do you want that vision? And here's how he ends it. There's two more characteristics. Brotherly affection. It's the Greek word Philadelphia. That's where we get the city of brotherly love. This has to do with the way we treat each other in the church family. And you know, ordinary religious people are often mean and judgy and critical and bullying and crusty Christians and callous about the poor. That's not God's vision for his church or for his people. There's a book that's been written. I've referred to it before. It's when bad Christians happen to good people. Some of you ought to read that book. (laughs) I don't have to even comment on that title. You've experienced that. But don't become that. Don't become that Christian. Jesus said there's another way to live. This word brotherly affection has to do with being thoughtfully considerate, kind, honoring others rather than bagging on others, accepting one another as Christ has accepted you, forgiving, supportive. Some of you know the story. I was in college. I'd only been a Christian three years. And I started going to a church. It's where I became a Christian. And um, I was trying to find my way. I don't know about, you know, I was just new in the faith. And my best friend from childhood, Donnie Steele, and I, just on a whim, we went out. I lived in the Bay Area in Oakland. We went out to Berkeley, Telegraph Avenue. We did that often. And we decided, this was back in 1978, 79, we got our ear pierced. Got, got my ear pierced when I was 19 years old. Went to church. That Sunday, not thinking anything of it. And one of the elders of the church, a stern man at the door when I walked in, he grabbed my arm and he said, John, what's that in your ear? Oh, oh, that. It's an earring. And this is what he said to me. He said, what's gotten into you, boy? You got queer written all over you. If you want to come back to this church, you go take that out. Brotherly affection. <laughs> Let's not be that church. Let's not be that guy. And then it wraps up with love for everyone. The words agape. Agape love is love of a different kind. It's unnatural. It's undeserved. It's unconditional. It's unfathomable. 
It's unlimited. And it's a love that's unbeatable because it's selfless. Paul says love, this kind of love, never fails. What does that mean? It means it always wins. It always wins. When we live with an agape love, it's supernatural. I can't love this way without him. But when we live this way, we win in life. We win the world to becoming a different kind of place. Let me stop there. I want you to touch the person next to you and just say this phrase, no more neutral. No, just right now, no more neutral. No more neutral. Say it again, no more neutral. No more neutral. One more time, say it, no more neutral. What does that mean? Neutral's safe. Neutral's boring. Neutral's blah. Neutral's no progress. Neutral means I'm stuck in the same place for 30 years. No more neutral for you, for me. Can you say that and mean it? Well, I'm going to have the band come up. We're going we're gonna to re-sing, run to the Father. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. No reason to wait. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So, I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Let's stand together. I'm going to call you out this morning. You know, you knew I was going to do this. If you're ready to step into God's vision for your life today, if you actually are ready to say, no more neutral, then I'm going to ask you to get out of your row. Just come down here in the front pit, right here. Say, I'm coming down here. I'm going to cry out. I'm going to sing this song like I mean it this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to run to the Father. I'm going to come down here as a recommitment to say, no more neutral. I, I want God's vision for my life more than I want my vision for my life. If that's you, come join me right down here in the front. And let's recommit ourselves to becoming the best version of ourselves, more like Jesus. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.